Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 163 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Marico. Hi, Jacob. How are you today? I am doing lovely today. How are you doing? So good. Just so I'm good. Bouncing around. Can't I was, you tell? I was jamming out on Dead by Daylight till like 3.30 in the morning, man. Oh, I, I don't know what that means. It is a very fun video game where you get to oh. play as a movie serial killer and chase down four other people before they could try to escape. It is Ooh. way more fun than it should be. That sounds fun. I feel like you you watch a lot of, you just do a lot of stuff. When do you sleep? I don't. That's what I'm saying. I got like three hours last night, man. And you function on that? Yeah, kind of. I mean, if oh you listen God. to if you listen to this show, there's a you know technically <laughs> functioning, but so. I get six and I'm half dead, yeah. so I don't know how you do three. There's a there's a glitch in the matrix, man. Every once in a while, so I mean, I feel like I used to function better without sleep, like in my college days. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's a young that's a young woman's game. Yeah, oh, I well, yeah, maybe I, I'm a spry 38 at this point, so you know, very uh, spry. I just think now things I could never do. So on Fridays, um, my friends and I would always go to the pink which was across the street from where I lived <clears throat> so but you didn't want to go out till like two because mm-hmm. that's when it was happening so I would like take a nap from like midnight to 2 a.m which is wow. like crazy to me now if I went to bed at midnight there would be no getting up at 2 a.m to go out to if drink I, if I take my socks off after 10 I'm like you know what I'm in for the night it's too much too <laughs> much effort I'm not, I'm not going through all that getting dressed again now that's 100%. I, I look at, like, young me, and I'm, like, drinking full regular beers, and I'm like, you're not drinking lights? Like, what are you even – how many calories are in that? That's like, oh. Uh, I think it would be really fun. Everybody thinks this, but I think it would be really fun to hang out with, like, 20- and 30-year-old me and just see, like, hey, what's going on, guys? I'm interested in that also. Not 20-year-old you. I already know I couldn't Oh, I, couldn't I, I wouldn't be able to stand myself. I'd be like, get this guy out of here. Yeah, it's, it's the young people's time. And speaking of young people oh. – Oh. It's back to school time. Yes, it is. I mean, lucky kids. I got a haircut yesterday, and it's just been bumping. They said because everybody's throwing their kids in to get them fresh dues well, before yeah. they actually get to see people face to face. They haven't had a le- long time. They haven't had a legitimate haircut in what a year, like eighteen months now. So <laughs> yeah. I don't blame them. That's <laughs> true. And um, college time. Do you know that college enrollments total seventeen point five million undergraduate students nationwide? Oh, okay. That's the 2020, uh, 2021 number. All right, good. Everybody getting out there, getting some education going. Education, except college enrollment rates have actually declined on an average of one point six seven per year since twenty ten. So at one point. Up until 2010, it was just going up and up and up, like from the 70s to 2010 college enrollment. Now it's going back down. I wonder if it's because it cost a million dollars. Yeah, people people actually passed their math classes in high school, and they're like, wait a minute, this doesn't work out for me at all if I do this. No, I'm watching that in real time with my stepdaughter who was enrolled in a school and about to go to it. And then there was like some extra numbers that just weren't explained well, and she figured it out. And she's like, oh, this will be my debt when I graduate. And then she's like, I don't want to go there anymore. And I was like, Smart I'm girl. so proud of you. Because Smart girl, man. You're just paying for the paper. Don't worry about the experience. Yeah. All the same everywhere. So as we entered the season of sharpened pencils, syllabi, and... Apples on tables, what, whatever other stereotypes we come up with. Well, maybe a few murders here and there, Jacob. Ooh, spookiness. That's right. We're talking about dark academia, which is dun, dun, dun. all of the rage when it comes to campus fiction these days, I would say. People are super into that. So if you were into that kind of thing, 
that is what we are going to talk about today. Books that feature a prominent academic setting, um, fiction, maybe a nonfiction lightly sprinkled in, um, but this is like a bid farewell to your kindly teachers and idyllic school experiences. Get it out of here. And say hello to shocking secret societies, beleaguered graduate students, professorial power imbalances, and murderous mayhem. I mean, I'm excited. We just movie trailered the heck out of this episode. So, <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I feel like I haven't read a ton of these books in my youth, and now I see them all the time. This sort of dark academia is like its own genre now. Oh, yeah. I think it's taken the uh, the place of uh, dystopian future uh, YA books because those have kind of waned lately. So I think they're switching. They got a new uh, thing going on here. So I mean, they always do. And people are like, yeah. So let's get right into it. I'm going to start with the one that I think is the most famous that the most people have probably heard of or read, which is The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Okay. Okay. So you probably know her. She wrote uh, The Goldfinch, that book with like took the world by oh, storm yeah. a few years the, ago. The book was awesome. The movie was awful. I remember that very well. Correct. Um, but the secret history is, is much older than that. So what it is is that under the influence of their charismatic classics professor, this group of clever, really eccentric misfits at an elite New England college discover a way of thinking and of living that is just a world away from the humdrum existence of their contemporaries. But when they go beyond the boundaries of normal morality, their lives are changed profoundly and forever as they discover how hard it can be to truly live and how easy it is to kill after murdering a friend and a classmate. So it's told in a really unique style, which is that the main character is a man who's like reminiscing on some significant events that took place in college. Um, and we follow a younger version of him. And he, so it's like him starting his life away from he had this really abusive and poor family in California. So he gets accepted into this elite college in Vermont. And this is him really hoping to start like a whole fresh life there. Um, and when he gets to college, this character, Richard, he's denied entry into this ancient Greek course because the professor that teaches it only allows enrollment to this really small hand-picked group of students. And it almost seems really cult-like, like this group that he allows in. Anyway, needless to say, he becomes really obsessed with the five students that are in this group and the professor. Um, and then yada yada, like a turn of luck, he solves this Greek problem and they let him into this exclusive group, oh. which seems great but in the prologue we find out that Richard and four others from the group murdered one of the other students that they're supposed to have a very close friendship with so the book is then told in two parts one being the events that took place leading up to the death of their classmate and then one part is all of the events that took place after he's murdered. And like I said, I think this is probably the most famous of the Dark Academia books. It's really funny when you see newer ones and like the you know publishers trying to describe it, they're like, secret history-esque, the best since secret <laughs> history. So I'd say kind of start there um, and then check out some of, the, some of the other ones we'll be talking about. But yeah, yeah, you know you got one of these famous ones when you are literally like the genre. It's like, okay, think of this book. It's literally publishers going, we totally plagiarized this book. It's <laughs> literally the same thing. Go which read is, this one. Which is very interesting. But yeah, what do you have? All right. So I'm going with one that I thought looked pretty interesting here. It's called The Girls Are All Nice Here, which okay. right, right off the bat. You think that's probably not true. <clears throat> yeah, I'm like, eh, I don't buy it. It's, it, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like any <laughs> doesn't. school I've ever heard before. 
Um, it's by Laura Elizabeth Flynn. And so what it's about is two former best friends. It's 10 years since they graduated from college. And now it's time for their college reunion, which I didn't know was a thing, but sure, we'll go ahead and say that it is. Oh, yeah, like smaller schools, definitely, people that dorm and stuff. Oh, they do? Oh, yeah. okay. All right, well, that's good then. Um, so it's time, coming up time for their reunion, and the lead uh, character, Ambrosia Wellington, um, she's worked hard since she graduated from um, college to like make a new life for herself, try to be the best person that she can be. Sure. So with this thing bearing down, she gets a note that says, we need to talk about what we did that night. So, you know, a little bit... Uh, she doesn't know the text is from Creepy. I like it. Yeah, you got some uh, I know what you did last summer coming That really is. Um, so at this point, all of a sudden, all those secrets and memories and actions of her college years come flooding back to her as she recalls like what went down that night. And the book kind of jumps into a two-timeline narrative. So one okay, is... Okay, so similar of... Yeah, like one's going at the um, reunion and one's going uh, 10 years ago. Okay. And the stories kind of go ahead with ever-increasing pressure as we, the reader, find out what went down college years or in a freshman year of um, college. And the modern story kind of comes to the end where it's the general reveal of who it is that wrote the note. So... You know, it gets more and more desperate. It's a great psychological thriller. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds it. If you're looking for a good thrillery one. Yeah, like one where you know, like, there's a killer running around. It's going to be an awesome reveal about who it's going to be. And, you know, it's always interesting when you have a protagonist who did something bad and is trying to atone for it. And then, you know, it points out the fact that, you know, you can't really make up for some stuff. Some stuff just sticks there and you just have to get punished for it. So hmm. I think it's a very interesting kind of thing uh, to go yeah. check out. And I sm I do. I smell CW or HBO show all over this I one. mean, a lot of them, I think, are really appropriate for that. I'm really surprised The Secret History hasn't. I am too, actually, because I don't even read them and I've heard of that book. So yeah. it's kind of surprised. But yeah, go check it out. All right. Next one is These Violent Delights. That's, Which, that's a Westworld story or anything right that's, there. It's a great title. I love it. Um, by Micah Nemerever? Nemerever? I really like his last name. Nemerever, ever, ever? Nemerever. So this is about when Paul enters university. This is the early 1970s in Pittsburgh. Um, he It's with kind of the hope of moving past the recent death of his father. He's sensitive and really insecure and kind of incomprehensible to his grieving family. They don't really understand him. So Paul is feeling really isolated and alone. And when he meets the worldly Julian in his freshman ethics class, he's immediately drawn to this classmate who's kind of effortlessly charming and really different from Paul. So Paul sees Julian also as his sole intellectual equal okay. and an ally against the conventional world that he finds so suffocating. Um, and he will kind of stop at nothing to prove himself worthy of their friendship because Julian's life is more invigorating than Paul could have imagined. So, you know, you're like a kind of obsessed with that person, but you sure. feel like you got to really catch up to them. But as charismatic as Julian can be, he is also volatile and uh -oh. can be really cruel. And Paul is becoming increasingly afraid that he can never really live up to what Julian expects of him. And as their friendship spirals into like an all-consuming intimacy, they each learn the lengths that which the other will go in order to stay together in this friendship. And their obsession is ultimately hurtling them towards an act of irrevocable violence. Um, Ooh, and, I like where this is going. Oh, yeah. It's a really exquisitely plotted, um, kind of like an ex excavation of the depths of human desire 
and the darkness that can be brought forth probably in all of us. So you can kind of see this and be like, oh, it can kind of happen to anybody and picture yourself in it. Yeah, it reminds me of my old my old feuds back in the day that, we, oh boy. that we're going to wait another couple of years before that comes up again. <laughs> okay, we got to wait for the statute <laughs> of limitations. Sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's got to play it safe. But that sounds pretty fun, actually. I always like when you have the, um, it's like the single white female effect, where one person's kind of obsessed with another, or the Great Gatsby effect. I think it would be a more literary I example. mean, it's, it's obviously, that's a storyline that's, been told many times over because it's very realistic. Oh, I think absolutely. we can all, I mean, I had a friend in high school who was four years older than me that I was really obsessed with and so interested by and things like that. And then, you know, it takes time to grow out of it. I wonder what that person's doing now. Plot and plotting revenge against you for some reason. I did nothing wrong. I was lovely. Oh, you don't remember, <laughs> but, but we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Next one I got is called A Lesson in Vengeance by Victoria Lee. Solid titles. I'm telling you, man. So we're getting into some witches here, which, you know. Oh, of I, course, that'd be a Jacob choice. It's not going to be uh, college uh, stories like this if we're not talking a witch school. <laughs> so Felicity Morrow, uh, she goes to the Dalloway school in the Catskills. Now, this campus um, was home, uh, was where she went to school until a tragic death of one of her best friends. Okay. Which, you know, that's always a good uh, thing. So now she's... It's always a good thing, did you say? It's always a good thing if you're trying to start out a novel. (laughs) Sure. It's a good plot point. Yeah. Your college friends dying in um, school, you know, it's usually not not such a good (laughs) thing. Right. So she, after a couple years away, uh, she returns to graduate. Um, You know, you do stuff at home. It's time to do some virtual learning on that one. Um, but then it comes back to the school, and now it's been rumored to be haunted, which makes sense considering mm-hmm. the history of witchcraft. Um, so then she starts getting into the mystery of the Dalloway Five, all girls who died on the campus grounds mysteriously Ooh. a few years ago. So basically she then assembles a team of a few other students, all with different little witchcrafty kind of uh, – like methods, like things that they go. We got a botanist in there. We have a telepath who can transverse worlds. We have an empath who can um, see through illusions, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And basically, they just have to kind of come together to solve the mystery of this school and figure out what was it, what's the malevolent force behind like all of these girls mysteriously dying in this school. This sounds like a good Halloween time, like back to school and as Halloween approaches. I mean, the weather's popped already today in like around here, so we're yeah. starting to get a little cooler. The pumpkin spice is already available. <laughs> pumpkin spice is a rolling out. Um, but yeah, it's a, a book about gathering a team and getting to the bottom of stories. And, you know, as a comic book fan, I like me some getting some teams together. So, <laughs> you know, Anything that's going on in witch schools that has to do with witchcraft, I'm automatically going to check it out. And this one kind of sounds like it's going to be an interesting little tale. See, it's interesting you said that. I'm going to pick one that kind of follows that um, with more of the paranormal, surreal sort of aspect. So I'm talking about this book is Ghosts of Harvard by Francesca Saratella. And this is about the character is Candence Archer. And she arrives on Harvard's campus, really desperate to understand why her brother Eric, this genius who developed paranoid schizophrenia and took his own life there the year before. So losing him has left like a huge black hole in her life. And um, while her decision to follow in her brother's footsteps to Harvard kind of breaks her family apart, she is really haunted by the questions of what she might have missed and that this seems like the only place to find the answers. So as she's she's struggling under under the enormous pressure of, you know, 
Harvard. Of course. And she's investigating her brother's final year. And all she has is this blue notebook of his cryptic scribblings. Because she knew that he was struggling with paranoia and delusions and things like that. But she's trying to find out, like, what tipped him over the edge. Now, voices start to fill her head, seemingly belonging to three ghosts who passed through the university in life or death and whose voices, dreams, and terrors still echo the halls. And among them is a person whose name has been buried for centuries and another whose name mankind will never forget. Ooh. If that's not a hook. That's a heck of a tease. So it's kind of like, does she share in her brother's illness? Like, is she becoming a paranoid schizophrenic? Or is she tapping into something else? So Caddy doesn't know how or why these ghosts are contacting her, but as she is drawn deeper into their worlds, she believes that they're moving her closer to the truth about Eric, um, even, as, even as keeping them secret really isolates her further. Mm -hmm. So she's really just dealing with a lot. And it's kind of like, would you listen to these voices in your head to kind of help you find this answer? Is this going to take her down a path of her own destruction? You know, following voices, maybe not great. Usually not a good idea. So it's very interesting. So, you know, you'll kind of be debating the whole book, like what is it that's actually happening? So you should definitely check out Ghosts. Of Harvard. I found that one of the best things about knowing that I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time is that if I do have voices in my head telling me to do something, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You don't know what you're talking about. Shut <laughs> up. And I kind of just ignore them. I think that's an excellent way to be, Jacob. Wow. Thank you for See? not listening to the voices in your head. Yeah, I, I figured out the hack. Also, man. side note, <laughs> this story that I always found really cute is my friend um, had a little kid. I don't know. They're like three or four. And they, they walked up to her at one point and they were like, what is all the talking in my head called? Which to me, I was like, what? But she was like, oh, it's called thinking. And I was like, oh, that's true. And that's really interesting that when you're a kid that you like, you're like, what is that in my head? Like I'm having these conversations, but I'm not speaking. I don't know. I just always mm. found that so interesting when that's someone's like, that's thinking. Yeah. So Seems like probably should have covered that already as a parent. But I guess it's one of the things I mean, that you doesn't, don't really... who describes, who explains what thinking is to someone. That's just yeah, something it, that what? naturally happens. Ooh, I just had like an existential moment because you're like, yeah, you know what? Nobody ever really did get into thinking, did they? It was like one of those basic things that nobody ever really covers when you're growing up. <laughs> I guess so. So huh. anyway. Well, we're getting to the bottom of some mental illness checks here, everybody. Make sure to tell your kids that's called thinking. <laughs> yeah. And explain the difference between thinking and voices that tell yeah. you to set things on fire. Matter of fact, well, we, can, <laughs> we can go with a couple adults that also need to know that, you know, but don't pay attention to that so much. All right, let's get a couple more out. <clears throat> All right, so the next one, I think we talked about this one before, but that's okay because it sounds pretty awesome. It's called We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. So this one's set in the coastal town of Danvers, Massachusetts, which, of course, if you didn't know, was the home of the 1692 Salem witch trials. They were very smart to rebrand the city. Oh. You know, it's a good idea you not to call You got some witches again, okay. Yeah, well, you know, I'll say we're going to get some witches here. Um, you know, it's a good idea to change the name of your town if you were burning people alive and that's what you're famous for. So switch from Salem to Danvers, it's probably a good move. Uh, so it's the story of the Danvers High School field hockey team. Um, they're on a tremendous winning streak that they can't really seem to figure out why. And... They kind of start to learn. They're not really up on the school's history. I mean, everybody knows about the witch trials, but they're not really clued in exactly what was going on with the um, thing. So 
as their season's kind of going on, they're starting to think, like, this seems like a little too good to be true. Like, there's got to be some other kind of forces at um, at work here. So the main character of this um, is the good girl team captain, Abby Putnam, who is a descendant of the infamous uh, Salem accuser, Ann Putnam. Ooh. Yeah, so that's that's not probably not a good thing. And her co-captain, Jen, who, uh, you know, she's one of these people who kind of sees all and knows all. So she's kind of like their empath and telepath in the situation. Oh, okay. So she does have an ability. I got you. Um, so then it's just kind of the story of these girls kind of, as their season's going on, it's getting better. They're trying to dig into the history of figuring out, like, what is it about this town? Why did the Salem witch trials happen in the first place? Mm-hmm. What is their connection to modern times? Are they maybe considering that they're one, their team captain is a descendant of the person most responsible for it. Yeah. Is this kind of like a punishment? Is this kind of a gift kind of thing? Are they being influenced by the past? So okay, I'm, I'm very that interested to check cool out how it's going to go. Um, you know, it's just one of those books that it seems like it's going to be a fun little interesting tale about a high school field hockey team that maybe have some witchy stuff going on that may have uh, some receipts to pay off. So <laughs> takes a turn. <laughs> okay, so this next one is a little different because instead of a college student, this is more about a professor. But it's called "Kill All Your Darlings" by David Bell. And what it is is after years of struggling to write following the deaths of his wife and his son, um, we have English professor Connor Nye. He publishes his first novel, and it's a thriller about the murder of a young woman. Okay. There's just one problem, Jacob. Uh, uh Uh-oh. He did not write the book. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, his missing student did. And then... She appears on his doorstep, alive and well, and threatening to expose him. You stole my story. You stole my story. So his problems escalate when the police insist that details in the novel implicate him in an unsolved murder from two years ago. So soon Connor discovers the crime is part of a disturbing scandal on campus Uh and faces this really impossible dilemma. You either admit that you didn't write the book and lose your job, or keep up the lie and risk that maybe he'll be implemented in this crime. And then when another murder occurs, Connor must clear his name by unraveling all of these horrifying secrets that are buried in this student's manuscript. So it's a really suspenseful and kind of provocative novel. Um, it involves like sexual harassment, things that still run rampant in academia, and the lengths that those in power will go to to cover it up. So, so right off the bat, I just want to say I think it's a good idea. Uh, if you're faced with a choice of losing your job and being charged <laughs> with murder, you get a new career path, guys. Just, you know, take the hit on that one. Have Oprah <laughs> yell at you for a little while on TV and just kind of walk away, you know. Walk away. Just a little suggest- Honestly, that guy that lied that was his name, James Fry, that lied about yeah. that. I mean, I think he went on to write more books. Did he really? Yes. I didn't even know. Why not, right? Nobody's going to remember. I forgot his name until you just said it right now. He's like a million little pieces. I publisher, guy. though, was like, Bogart, I'll say he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, he probably went in there and he's like, I'm writing fiction, and then just kind of gave him the head nod, and the guy's like, well, he's got a point. Can't, can't, <laughs> can't really argue that one. Okay. All right, so the next one we got up is uh, called Summer Sons by Lee Mandelo. Hmm. So this is the story of Andrew and Eddie. Uh, they were best friends. They did everything together. They were... Um, tighter than brothers until Eddie left Andrew behind to start his graduate program at Vanderbilt. 
Uh, six months later, only days before Andrew was going to visit him, Eddie dies of an apparent suicide. Mm. Now, he leaves Andrew a horrible inheritance on the way there. He leaves him with a roommate he doesn't know, friends he never asked for, and a gruesome phantom with bleeding wrists that wants what? to seek revenge. Wow. So, you know, kind of mad at your old friend. You're like, what's up here, dude? my dude? Why are you? <laughs> what's up with this ghost here? So, obviously, Andrew kind of wants to get to the bottom of this and find out, wait, What's the deal with this ghost, man? What's Why is this thing around here? So he starts going into the secret life of the friend that he thought he knew everything about, but, you know, it turns out he didn't know anything. Goes a family history that's going to be soaked in blood and death, nights that are surrounded by, like, drugs and fast cars and women or hot boys. Um, everything hot that, boys. Hot boys. <laughs> it's, like, it's like our Friday nights, hot let me boys. tell you. <laughs> so, you know. This whole world that Andrew has built up about his friend, it turns out it, none of it was true. And he's just trying to come to grips with who is this person? What was going on? Did I even know him? And all the consequences it's going to have for him. Because as we said, there's a bloody wrist ghost just following around in his room. And again, request a new room. A simple fix to this. That's just a weird book. Yeah. Well, it sounds pretty good, man. That's why we're recommended it. Here, I like so. it, but it, it definitely sounds it sounds weird at the same time. <laughs> well, um, it means one of my choices. You know that if it, it's not going to be my choice if it's not sound a little weird. Obviously, that checks out. Okay, so this next one is called "If We Were Villains" by M. L. Rio. Okay. I'm going a little with my college history of some theater majors. Yeah. So um, on the day that Oliver Marks is released from jail, the young man who put him there is waiting at the door. And Detective Colburn wants to know the truth. And after 10 years, Oliver is finally ready to tell it. So this kind of then goes back to the beginning of this whole story about a decade ago. Oliver is one of seven young Shakespearean actors at this classical conservatory. Um, And in this really kind of secluded world, um, Oliver and his friends play the same roles on stage and off. Hero, villain, tyrant, temptress, all of the things. So in their fourth and final year, these really good-natured rivalries turn ugly. And on opening night, real violence invades the students' world of make-believe. And in the morning, the fourth years find themselves facing their very own tragedy and their greatest acting challenge yet, which is convincing the police and each other and themselves that they are innocent of this crime. So this is like a really kind of fascinating and unorthodox take on rivalry and friendship and truth all kind of mixed in with young people, um, you know, in a dark academic setting. Hey man, I am always all about getting into like uh, some dark theater stuff. I was a theater kid myself back in the day. Oh wow, that's how we get along. We're both nerds. Indeed, I was Hamlet and I was the understudy as the dentist in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh yeah, that I know. You were Hamlet? I was Hamlet, yeah man. I got And uh, John Proctor in the... uh, Oh, that's why you've got such a a witch trials Mm -hmm. thing going on. Yeah man, I did a lot of research into this stuff. Uh, yeah, oh, I actually remember. Can all the you books. do some Hamlet right now? Oh, like you know, the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah, huh, you get it. You get it. No. That, was a, that was a tale of two cities, everyone. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I mean, off the that? top of my head, it's just going to be that uh, to be or not to be. But speech. can you do the whole thing? Do you remember it? Oh, God, no. No, no. no. You know, it turns out Hamlet. Boring. Sort of really hard to remember all the words. <laughs> a lot of stuff to remember in there. A lot of verilies and these and get these two nunneries. 
That was fun, actually, that scene. I remember having a lot of fun with that one. Wow, I'm just learning so much about we're, you. We're going to have to do a Hamlet discussion one day. But, like, my ex-girlfriend at the time was playing Ophelia in the I, play. I mean, that checks out <laughs> So it was kind of like, oh, I get to scream at her and be really mean on stage. Why don't you just give us a couple titles? We're not really going yeah, really to be able to. I, I, got, I got two quick ones here. The Ninth House by Lee Barduga. Um, Oh, that was a big kind of sci-fi or fantasy one. Yes, indeed. People going to Yale. Some craziness goes down. It's dark academia, everybody. You kind of get the idea. But oh, there's like secret societies. Yale secret societies. And yeah. then uh, check out White Ivy by uh, Susie Yang. Another one about a girl who is a kind of a thief and a liar who gets in over her head once she gets discovered what she's up to and shipped off to China. So just Jeez that. Louise. Yeah, that's just the, the really basic description, but... It's got a pretty cool plot line, everybody. Go check it out. Okay. Um, I want to just quickly throw in Bunny by Mona Awad. This is another, like, a girl gets selected to uh, this little MFA program at a New England Warren University. It's always these New England it, well, schools. Like, they're just so perfect for it. Witches, man. Um, And she kind of finds, you know, those a clique of unbearable rich girls who all call each other bunny. Oh, jeez. I know. I, I already hate them. I know, right? And they seem to move and speak as one. And then she ends up, everything changes when she receives an Im- invitation to the bunny's fabled smut salon. I mean, come on, guys. I know. And she's got, like, one friend, and she ends up ditching her to be like, I'm with the bunnies. But, you know, she's going to get pulled in deeper and deeper. We and, of work- course, there's a deadly collision coming up with that. we got to workshop that name. The smut salon? Come on, guys. That's, just, <laughs> that's not even – that's got nothing to do with bunnies. Like, can't you call it, like, the rabbit hole or something? Like, I mean, you'd think it would be better. And then just the last, the one nonfiction – um, is Notes on a Silencing by Lacey Crawford. This book um, came out in the summer of 2020, and even in the middle of the pandemic, it was like a huge deal um, because it's an intimate investigative memoir um, about the elite school. It's called St. Paul's School, who actually gave her a formal apology after this book came out. Um, okay. And it's a report of sexual assault by two fellow students nearly 30 years ago. Oh, sounds like a really uplifting tale, but definitely I mean, topical. It's very, very impor- important. It's insightful. It's arresting. Um, it's really beautifully written. And it kind of talks about the ways that shame and guilt are used to silence victims. <laughs> so that's why I kind of just wanted to put that at the end because, you know, it's definitely a little heavier. But... Hey, man, it's still really dark, pretty much darker than the rest because it's true. Yeah, and still so. true, unfortunately. Oh, guys, we got to get we got to clean up our colleges a little bit, make them a little more interesting. Uh, That's really it's really true. But anyway, why don't you take us on out of this episode? Uh, you know everything that we talked about, and it is school year again, everybody. So you know where you're going to be spending your time? That's right. At your local library. Mm-hmm. We have 37 branches all over Erie County. Stop on by, say hi, like, hey, I got an economics class, and I got some witches tr- um, chasing me. Can you help me out? <laughs> Can you help me with these witches? <laughs> and your librarian's going to be like, I got you, dog. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Uh, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what we got going on and check your record. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at All Booked Up Pod and let us know what kind of dark secrets are hanging out in your college history. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, did you know 
that more girls go to college than boys? Yeah, as a guy, I'm not surprised by that at all. 775,000 male students enroll in college each year, and 1.5 million female students do. I did not expect the gap to be that big. But... And get this, so like, while it's kind of nice to see the gains that women have made in this way, unfortunately, it actually means preferential treatment for men. So they've said now that like, if two applicants that are equal come in, one's male and one's female, the schools will usually choose the male applicant because they're trying to even out the campus population. Oh, is that what they're saying is the reason? Okay. So whatever, still a bummer. What, whatever you say, college presidents, wink. What's the number one most applied to college? Uh, Arizona. It's weird. It's UCLA. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Too. They get nearly 139,000 applications yearly. Really? Oh, okay. That makes well, it's LA, the biggest um, school over there. And I I'm mean, not you're surprised. like, get me there. Um, did you know that before the Civil War, <laughs> disbelief in the Bible or profaning the Sabbath were campus crimes at Yale? Uh, no, I didn't know that. But I'm not really, really shocked. I mean, you're like, okay, that's seriously wild, though. And I thought this was really interesting. The graduation cap was initially a hood, and is believed to date back to Celtic times when Druid priests wore capes and hoods to symbolize their intelligence. You know, t say what you will about druids, those guys could dress, man. They were rocking those looks. <laughs> if I could rock a hood and a cape all the time you and not would look do like it. a creep, oh, all, right. all about it. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. Good luck with getting everybody back to school, and we will catch you next time. Bye.